Welcome to HR in 15, a podcast dedicated to addressing the complexities of modern HR in just 15 minutes. Brought to you by Prestige PEO, simplifying HR. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of HR in 15. I am your host, Eric Fudum, Chief Operating Officer here at Prestige PEO. Today, we are thrilled to have Dr. Bob Scott with us today. Um, Bob is the President Emeritus of Adelphi University. Um, Bob brings a deep background in higher education, spanning decades. He's here to show how COVID-19 has, is changing how job applicants who recently graduated from college are evaluated by potential employers. He'll also provide tips to help employers adjust their candidate evaluation processes during and after COVID-19. So we're going to touch on a topic that we have not touched on um, ever and talk about um, you know, what's going on in our colleges, right, in our universities related to COVID-19, and, you know, kind of most importantly, how that is affecting graduates um, that, that have recently graduated from school last year, and maybe what, what might happen in the future. So um, these are very important topics, and, uh, and I'm really excited to have uh, Bob here to, to go through it with us. How are you doing today, Bob? I'm doing well. Excited about our program. Yeah, we're, ex- we're really excited and honored to have you here. So, um, you know, with that said, we're going to get right, right, right into it. Um, so, being at Adelphi, you know the school very well. Um, being, you know, in contact with other universities, how how have these universities handled, you know, the pandemic over, you know, the last six months? Well, that's a that's a very good question because there are many there are many answers. Some colleges, uh, especially those that have had remote learning, distance learning, online programs for several years were able to make the switch in mid-March to remote instead of in-class instruction because they had the infrastructure. They had the technological infrastructure. They had the professional development and the curriculum design staff uh, to help make the change uh, to remote teaching and learning uh, more smoothly and better than simply trying to teach a class by Zoom uh, because they had the, uh, they had the design work. Uh, for colleges that had no uh, remote experience, uh, it, it was a very difficult challenge. In addition, some students dropped out because they didn't want to continue that way, and it really affected uh, the spring admission cycle uh, and so this fall, uh, many colleges have fewer students uh, than they were predicting even back in March. Uh, also, colleges with summer programs uh, did not <laughs> largely yeah. have summer programs or camps, and they lost revenue there. And for this fall, even those that are opening uh, on campus, even to some extent, uh, in order to comply with social distancing rules, uh, they cannot fill their residence halls, which means they'll collect less rent. So the reduction in tuition revenue from the lack of students, reduction in uh, residence hall rent, and the reduction in international student uh, enrollments have all led to significant uh, budgetary problems for colleges. 
I can't imagine. But let me let me ask you this though, because you mentioned remote instruction, and and as we know, that's a that's a pretty hot topic um, in the news, whether it's you know regular high school, elementary schools, or colleges, right, or universities. Um, do you? How do you feel about remote instruction? Do you think it works for students, or are we just being forced to use it? Do you think this is the remote instruction concept is going to evolve over time and it'll stay, or is this just you know kind of temporary? Oh no, I think it's going to stay, uh, but it's not the best learning environment for every student. Um, for a highly motivated, more mature student with academic interests, uh, it can be ideal. But for the less academically inclined and prepared students who need sort of hands-on instruction, uh, it can be very frustrating. Colleges and universities, by and large, have the capacity and capability of helping their students uh, with online or remote teaching and learning. Many public elementary and secondary schools they don't even have the Wi-Fi. They don't have the internet connections. The students live at home, many students, think about New York City in particular, there are thousands and thousands of students who don't have the computer uh, capacity, they don't have the privacy for quiet learning. Uh, they are gonna be terribly disadvantaged uh, during this period unless uh, the school districts and the public uh, improves the circumstances. The one other comment I would make uh, about for higher education, many people think that it's cheaper uh, to teach uh, via remote technology. And people think that, I believe, by and large, because over the past almost dozen years, we have been hearing, reading about online education, mostly for-profit uh, institutions, with hundreds of thousands of students, and they're able to offer the, the programs for less money. What happened in March was not a switch virtually over a weekend from teaching you know, 20 students in a class to teaching 20,000 in a class. It was switching from teaching 20 students in a class to 20 students by Zoom. And there are no economies of scale uh, in that transition. So, and in addition, uh, colleges and universities, uh, in order to serve their students well, uh, moved many of the academic support services online, so career services could continue. Uh, graduate school advising could continue. Uh, even, I know, colleges and universities that made it possible for clubs and organizations to continue to meet, even though it was by remote means. So all of that was an added expense, uh, and there were very few economic efficiencies gained by, or any, moving to the remote uh, mode. I, I would I would assume that many of us would not realize the fact that potentially some of the costs of administering or running, you know, university could have increased even though it's not in person, right? And, and oh, that, absolutely. Yeah, um, colleges. First of all, you need to have the technology. Uh, listening to someone, watching someone teach or lecture by Zoom, uh, is gonna put a lot of people to sleep. You need sure. to have the sure. curriculum design to include visual elements, uh, to be able to show attachments, um, et cetera, uh, that simply require extra staff. 
and for those colleges where faculty were not experienced uh, in using technology for teaching, which is probably the majority, uh, they had a fast learning curve. So, so really, I mean, when you look at this whole period here, I mean, a lot of schools were not really prepared really to handle remote learning as maybe they are now, right? I mean, it just seems like there are a lot more issues trying to, you know, kind of adjust on the fly than, than right. yeah, okay. Um, one, one thing that I think is a pretty hot topic is job searching, right? So when we, we talk about job searching for, for, for graduates or recent grads, um, what are the challenges that they might be facing now? Under normal circumstances at many colleges, the career services office would uh, host job fairs and they would invite employers onto the campus uh, to talk with students about opportunities. Well, that's not happening, although right. many colleges are trying to do that by Zoom. Students would, uh, during this period of time, would have been, certainly if they were juniors, uh, preparing for the future, they would have taken advantages, uh, taken advantage of tours of places in employment, places of employment of alumni who would host students to learn about a scientific lab or a professional practice or a, a corporate uh, organization. Well, students couldn't do that. On the other side, for the employers, especially employers who who focus a lot on the transcript and grades. Uh, they may not like the fact that many colleges adopted a pass-fail system instead of letter grade or number grades and would not be perhaps not as confident in interpreting uh, the achievement of the students. The students didn't have the chance to participate in leadership positions or athletic contests that are often seen as indicators of student uh, self-awareness, of self-confidence, uh, ability to innovate. Um, so employers are going to have to deploy some different questions when they are able uh, to interview students or potential candidates. Do you think? Do you think right now, in terms of this whole process of employers evaluating students, um, you know, at the career services centers of of colleges, are they? Is it happening? I mean, is anything happening? Because I, I you know, it's funny. You said one thing about, you know, how grades, you know, the grade the pass fail system. I would think that's almost impossible to evaluate candidates, um, you, you know, if they're not, if there's not enough information, right? Well, but about that, that puts pressure on uh, the need for letters uh, from professors, from uh, club advisors, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, letters of testimony about the students' uh, perseverance, accomplishments, uh, obstacles overcome, et cetera. In a sense, this is a wonderful opportunity to change the way we evaluate potential candidates for employment because students, as with everyone else, but students have had to really figure out um, how they're going to be problem solvers. How do they relate uh, to the crisis? What kind of volunteerism did they engage in? In what ways have they been trying to improve skills? In what ways have they tried to engage their networks, whether it's the, the network of alumni through their college or university, the network of people they've met at church or synagogue or temple. How have they explored the networks of people they have met over the years, whether they be teachers or coaches? 
I think this is a great opportunity uh, to assess the creativity and flexibility of candidates. So, so that's really interesting because we we hear about those kind of networking and you know being involved in different types of organizations. That 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 happens at the professional level, right? When you're you know you know working, right, and you're yeah. trying you know look maybe looking for another job or whatever the case is, but ne not necessarily you know in the college you know in the college ranks, right? So this. Oh this... no, but we what we one of the things that we did and many others do. Uh, we would bring alumni to campus to talk about, I'll never forget the CFO of IBM uh, and a group of students saying, I sat in that chair when I was a junior, and then talking about his career, uh, or organizing trips uh, to take 25 students to uh, visit the CEO of AIG to talk about careers. Now, colleges are pretty active. Uh, because it's a way of engaging alumni, first of all, without asking them for money, but they can help uh, in uh, advising students. Give, give back a little bit, right? Yeah. So, but that's not happening now. Uh, right. But colleges have been doing that, so now they're trying to figure out, well, what's an alternative way of doing that? And you can do some of that by Zoom and, and similar technologies. Right, but I mean, I think, I think to your point, the, the in-person touch is very important here as well. And, oh, absolutely. And, and See the body language fully uh, to have a better sense of just a better sense of the person. Right, that's, very, that's exactly what it's all about. Um, you know, just changing topics here for a second. You know, one of the, one of the items that that maybe has been in the news, not as much, but kind of have made the news, is colleges closing, right? And the smaller ones closing, and it's 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 most likely based on the fact of what you're saying before in terms of lack of tuition revenue, right? So right. if if I'm if I'm a, a graduate or you know about to be a graduate, how am I gaining access? How how would you suggest to how do they gain access to their transcripts and records if a college is closed? Well for example, uh, Dowling College closed on Long Island. And under the state rules, state education department rules, uh, Dowling had to have a, a quote, teach-out plan, uh, which is to say they had to arrange with another college or two uh, to provide instruction uh, for the Dowling students uh, in order for them to finish their degrees. In addition, under state regulations, uh, Dowling or any other college that uh, has to close must provide for a repository of transcripts and student records uh, so that students who, those who graduate from a college that closes will not be disadvantaged by not having access to their records. So a student would need to contact another, you know, college that might have maintained those records, their records? Yeah, well, they would be notified as, right. as who is going to be maintaining the records. And of course, uh, at the college, the alumni association is going to continue. Uh, there will be ways to communicate. Excellent. And then one little extra credit question here. I want, I want to get your thoughts on being being president of Adelphi University for 15 years. You know, I'm sure you got involved with a lot of the uh, sports of the university and all that kind of stuff. W what would your position be right now for of having fall sports or sports in general at at these institutions? As you know, um, football, college football has been big in the news. So I just wanted to get your take on that because I'm a big sports fan. I don't think they should be playing sports this fall. Really? It's done, I, huh? Done for now? 
I'd say done. Uh, safety, health and safety must be job one. And to do that, to make it job one, the leaders have to minimize the potential for the spread of the virus until uh, we either have a vaccine to protect against the virus or medicines that mitigate the effects of the virus. Um, and until that time, I think it's dangerous for colleges and universities uh, to be playing games. Well, I would agree with that 100%, you know, I, and I think a lot of people will agree with you as well. That makes, I mean, why would you even take the chance? Why would you take the risk, right? Right. Yeah. Um, Bob, I, I want to thank you for everything that we've discussed today. If, if you're okay with it, we're going to have you back for another episode where we, we're going to talk about success and, and what, what that means, right? How's, how does that sound? Does that sound okay? Sounds great. Awesome. Awesome. So, so we'll, we'll see you again, Bob. And for our listeners, feel free to check out other episodes of HR 15 on your favorite podcast app or on hr15.com. And you can hear Bob and others that um, have, have contributed to our podcast. Thank you so much. For questions or more information on today's topic, visit prestigepeo.com.